This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojak here with The Record founding member Joe Coglin, and we've got a trademark uh, jam-packed episode of the podcast for you folks. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. It's a championship episode um, for tennis. We had a championship-like game in football um, here in week nine, so we've got a lot to talk about, so why don't we just jump right in? We're going to do a four-quarter format. In the first quarter, we're essentially just going to recap everything that happened over the past week, um, week nine of the football season. Uh, girls state tennis we got playoffs and every other sport started so um, we'll recap all of that there in the second quarter we're going to hear from Loyola quarterback Ryan Fitzgerald in the third quarter we're going to play way or no way guessing game and then in the fourth quarter we things up by previewing the first week of the playoffs we got a couple of our area teams uh, playing for a you know first round uh, opportunity and we'll also maybe look around the state and see any uh, interesting matchups that we're curious about, or maybe go on our uh, annual rant about how the way the IHSA seeds teams is bizarre and doesn't make any sense. We'll see if we'll, we'll see how much uh, time we'll have for that one. But just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you give us a nice little review. We always appreciate it. Make sure you spread the word at those games. Uh, we always appreciate everybody's support and kind words. All right, let's get things started here by going into week nine. I'm going to bring Joe in now. Um, And, uh, you know, we hyped up the game last week. Loyola Mount Carmel, once again, undefeated teams playing against each other uh, for an opportunity to finish undefeated once again in the CCLE, a CC Blue uh, title. And once again, Loyola and Mount Carmel did not disappoint. Um, Obviously, two of the best teams in the state playing against each other on Saturday. And uh, once again, Joe, that just was the hallmark for um, another great version of this rivalry. Yeah, it was great. Great football, uh, incredible atmosphere. Um, it was just, uh, it, it's, it doesn't disappoint. As you said, every year it lives up to it. Um, two best teams and Loyola had that edge that I think we both kind of predicted by kind of that home field edge might, might put them over and, and that might've done it. They, um, especially early, they were uh, ex- especially explosive. But, um, man, I don't even know what to say. It was just uh, really good football. I think Loyola uh, defense um, showed why they're uh, regarded as the best, if not the best. They've given up, I think, like eight points a game, but that's even skewed because of how much their starters have rested in second halves this year. Um, They really stopped Dupree for a lot of the part. They stopped three fourth downs, a lot of short yardage situations. Um, you know, and that's against Mount Carmel, you know, a dynamic offense. So, uh, they did, I think what they had to do, um, to keep, to get the offense enough chances, um, to get in the end zone. So, uh, it was just good Catholic league football. Yeah. Loyola runs out to a quick seven, nothing lead after, uh, getting Rick after, uh, stopping a fourth down, uh, drive for Mount Carmel with a big Mikey Baker reception for a touchdown, uh, Loyola holds a 10-point lead at the half. Um, and then Mount Carmel, uh, like last year, kind of comes back and has an opportunity to tie the game here with a two-point conversion at 23. But 
the ball is batted down in near the goal line and uh, Mount Carmel not able to stop Loyola on its ensuing drive to run out the clock. So um, uh, another close, another, you know, comeback from Mount Carmel and um, another close matchup there, Joe. But let's start with, uh, let's start with that defense where we talked about, you know, three fourth quarter stops and um, Mount Carmel just, you know, especially on that first drive to start the game, seemed like it was doing what it wanted to do. Both teams were kind of trying to figure things out with each other. And, you know, they were doing some dumb passes. They were running the ball pretty well. And um, that was just a big momentum where, you know, Mount Carmel gets to the Loyola too. And Loyola is able to stop, you know, Darian Dupree, Wisconsin commit from picking up those two yards and stop them from scoring. Yeah, really gutsy. Um, really just um, a resilient stand there for Loyola. I thought that, uh, I mean, Mount Carmel did. They moved down the field with relative ease. They kind of just sliced down there. Um, no huge plays, but nice chunks back and, you know, over and over. And all of a sudden they were um, inside in the red zone. Um, move it down to the four and then uh, a short pass and a fumble that Loyola should have recovered. Uh, I have a funny photo uh, guided photos at the game of about, I think it was five, maybe six ramblers around the football and it bounced in uh, back into, I think Dupree might've recovered it. Uh, I'm not sure, but anyway, um, but then they, they, they stand up anyway um, on, on fourth down and get the stop. Um, very, very resilient. That kind of, I think, really gave them momentum to their offense uh, to get going, to get working. And um, they, they put up some points in that first half, 17 points. Um, the half of Mike Baker, right? 74-yard punt and a 47-yard uh, field goal and the 60-whatever-yard um, catch-and-run touchdown. So um, it was uh, that defense really just, I think, stood up in big moments. They stopped another fourth down in the red zone, and then one more, I think, by midfield. Uh, I am curious why uh, Mount Carmel, um, I mean, it's just part of who they are, and uh, Loyal is this way, too, a lot of the times. Uh, at least they were under Holacek um, going for it on fourth and down. But take the points in certain circumstances. Um, uh, it could have could have been a victory if you did. Um, you mentioned, obviously, Ryan Michael Baker having a big game. One of the bigger questions we had heading into this game was how Ryan Fitzgerald was going to perform. And uh, you got a pretty clear answer out of him uh, in that game against Mount Carmel, just being able to make key passes. Um, he wasn't afraid to, you know, run the ball. He scored twice on the ground, one on a 19-yard run, another on a nine-yard run. Uh, and he wasn't afraid, you know, that his offensive line did a good job of creating holes for him where he was able to, you know, get into the end zone. But there are some times where, you know, he went into pressure and he went into a couple of Mount Carmel defenders to pick up a couple yards. And he talked about that with us after the game about how, you know, he's he knew it was going to be a battle against Mount Carmel. The coaches told him they're going to have to run them and uh, Mount Carmel hits hard. So get your body ready. And he did. And uh, um, Fitzgerald just did a really good job of orchestrating the offense and, you know, both passing and throwing the ball uh, and running the ball um, and really kind of showed that, you know, he's ready for the moment and he's ready to compete against the best. Yeah, I think so. Um, he's, uh, you know, we talked about that beforehand, that in pressure situations, he's the one who made the plays against St. Rita when it was not this close, but a close game. Um, you know, so we'll see against a slightly elevated opponent. And he's good. He's he's legit. You could see. uh 
a lot of a lot of things that he can do even even some potential above what he does on the field he's still growing and figuring out but he's making a lot of the right decisions and uh, uh you know he's hard to bring down for a six three maybe um you know kind of bulky quarterback he's, he's very athletic and very uh, agile when he gets out um in some space he's hard to take down so um and then he made the throws when he had to a couple big throws. And of course the one to Mikey Baker that was on the money. Um, I don't know how much of the one, the one to drew McPherson was on the money. It was a fine pass, but it was a screen pass. And McPherson, yeah. a lot of McPherson and his blocking did a lot of the work for that big 70 yard game. Um, but uh, he had a great game. I mean, he, he, he really picked up big yards when he had to, and he picked up the, the one that sealed it on uh, in the fourth quarter I think it was about six or seven yards um, found the edge and just kind of slid stayed in bounds. And that was, that enabled them to run out of the clock. So uh, big, a lot of poise. I think he showed. Yeah. And I think that run was really important because he, you know, the offense struggled for much for the entire fourth quarter and a little bit in the third quarter where I think they had like two or three, three and outs and Mount Carmel, you know, went on its long drives and were able to almost tie the ball game. So um, it was big to see from uh, Loyola and from Fitzgerald just to be able to, you know, just to be able to put that together and uh, uh, create that uh, create that opportunity to run out the clock there toward the end of the game. Um, just a really good game, I felt like, from both teams. Um, obviously, talking with Coach uh, Jordan Lynch after the game, um, we, you know, asked him, do you learn a lot from a game like this? And he's like, no, like, we're not here for moral victories or learning from losses. Like, you know, they just had – Lost their had uh, lost their twenty two game winning streak that they had dating back to twenty twenty one. So obviously not the happiest. And Lynch said that his kids played best. Uh, that uh, coaching kind of failed uh, those kids on uh, Saturday. Um, he included himself. I don't know what, whether he you know maybe would have redone some of those offensive plays and maybe some of those decisions uh, moving forward. But um, just a really good game between both of those two teams and um, some really good stuff. The win earned Loyola the number one seed in the 8A bracket. Um, they will start the playoffs on Saturday at Loyola, hosting four and five Plainfield North. Um, some four and five teams getting into the playoffs because there weren't enough uh, playoff qualifiers. But, um, Joe, before we move on to the other teams and this long first quarter, um, you know, Loyola got the number one seed, but I don't know if they got the easier path in getting to uh, Illinois State than maybe number two, uh, Lincoln Way East did. No, you don't think so? Um, yeah, looking at it, I, I think, you know, I'm going to pull it up right now just so I get a nice little refresher. But um, So in the second round, they they would potentially play either Nequa Valley or Palatine. Right. Uh, quarterfinals, you either get Hundley, Niles West, Juliet West, or St. Ignatius. Um, and then the semifinals, you either get Edwardsville, likely York, um, a Stevenson in there. So um, you got those matchups. Lincoln Way East gets Taft to start things off, and they would either play uh, South Elgin or Warren if we went chalk, and then they get Barrington or Maine South um, in the semifinals there if everything were chalk. So Maine South is, uh, is a little bit interesting, and obviously York has been really good this season too. But um, obviously I think just the way – the way with how things kind of play out with the way the IHSA does seeding of necessary number one seed really makes that big of a difference. And I mean, not, not at that level. I think, um, I mean, once you win a couple games, I think all those teams, if in an eight, a bracket should be contenders, you know, the final eight or whatever um, that you're at, uh, certainly the final four. 
Um, so I think if Loyola matches up with, I mean, my guess, my best guess, um, who do you think? You think you think Huntley's coming out of there? Anyway. Um, I would think Huntley, they would probably play Huntley in that quarterfinal matchup if they're to win. I mean, honestly, I'm not – Ignatius could beat Juliet West and then beat Huntley with their triple option, which would be really curious to see how Loyola handles that triple option offense and Justin Scott. But um, it's it's an interesting road to get there. Yeah, it is. And, I, I mean, but, but I just – I think what Loyola's shown this year, like n- none of those teams should – do scare me as as an observer and what I've seen sure. from Loyola. Yeah, um, East. I, I think the matchup with Maine South is going to be a great one. Should it come to fruition, um, I think that they th- they're superior to Barrington. Um, uh, I think Barrington might have a tough tough matchup with with Naperville Central. So they survive Downers Grove South, um, and Warren might be fun for Lincoln Way East in in the quarters. Um, that's always a good matchup. Uh, Warren's playing some good football lately. So anyway, um, I just love the 8A bracket. I just, uh, these are teams we've seen and, and you see them dominate in their particular areas. And, and it, it is matched up in a way where uh, it, you know, say we get to the quarters, it's not going to be Loyola Main South, you know, two teams that know each other very well or Lincoln Way East uh, HF or something um, teams that are in the same conference. It looks like they're separated pretty well. So at least there's that. I am glad it worked out this year, at least where Loyola and Lincoln East don't have to like like a quarterfinal matchup or a semifinal. We've had that happen. I know obviously they played against each other in the state championship last year, but I think it was like two years ago where they like they had to play each other in the semifinals or the quarterfinals. Um, that just felt weird considering we both thought that one of the top teams in the state. But we'll talk more about that Plainfield North matchup for Loyola, but let's keep on moving here in the long first quarter and talk about Highland Park who picked up their sixth victory of the season, taking down Vernon Hills 49-34 to to end the regular season 6-3. and three. Um, Joe, just, you know, we've kind of talked about this Highland Park team to take care of business, and that's just what they actually hear in the second half where, you know, they took their business to, you know, qualify for the playoffs and uh, they did a really ju- good job in their conference, only losing the main West. And um, they've really put themselves in, in in a good position, you know, picking up that six win and giving themselves uh, a better seating into the playoffs. Yeah, it was a huge win for them. Um, it, it was a little, um, it was not as close as the score suggests. I think they were up 45 to, to 21 or so uh, before uh, Vernon Hills put up a couple late um, touchdowns. But um yeah, they got a couple return. Highland Park got a couple return touchdowns, one punt and one uh, like an onside kick uh, return um, that surprised Vernon Hills a little bit. And uh, David Finford did it again. I think he ran for two, threw for another, maybe he ran for three. Um, so just, uh, you know, with the guys who got him there, um, they're just keeping it up and uh, they can score a lot of points. Um, they're just going to have to hold down Mather in the playoffs, but they got that sixth win. I think that really put them in a, gave them a spot in the postseason that uh, gives them a chance. Yeah, Highland Park will play Mather on Saturday at Winnemac Stadium. Um, Highland Park earning the 11th seed in 6A bracket, the upper bracket, because for 1A to 6A, the IHSA decided to go back to doing a north and south bracket. Um what do you think about, you know, Highland Park's bracket here, Joe? Obviously, we'll talk about it in the fourth quarter when we preview their, you know, first-round match. 
you know, they beat if they beat Mather, they obviously get probably Kerry Grove in the second round. Kerry Grove obviously has a lot of experience, you know, competing for championships. Um, and then potentially they would get maybe Lake Forest or Geneva um, later on if they were make the quarterfinals. Just uh, seems like a tough quadrant for the Giants here. Yeah, it is. Um, but I mean, that's what what you get, right? When you know you don't yeah. when you don't get eight games or so. I mean, you're a six and three team. You're going to play some pretty good opponents early. And um, we'll talk about it in the fourth, but um, you know, at least I do think they, they got a chance to win the first round. Then Kerry Grove is going to be a very difficult matchup for them um, with everything Kerry Grove is as a program and brings to the table this year. Uh, it'll be a tough matchup, um, but um, you know, being in the second round of the playoffs is a big deal. So uh, they're, they're surely focused on Mather to start things off. All right, let's wrap things up here football-wise. At least Nutrier beat Deerfield 27-9. to um, To end the season playing spoiler, Deerfield needed to win the game in order to make the playoffs. And um, Nutrier just kind of seemed pretty determined, Joe, to not lead a pretty disappointing season and on the wrong note. Yeah, man, they were uh, – that was um, something. It was something I hadn't seen out of them probably all year in spots here and there, sure. But that continued sustained effort, especially from the defensive – unit specifically like the front front eight was uh really impressive um and they came to play and they knocked Deerfield back you know quite literally numerous tackles for loss including I think Marty uh reported seven sacks um I would say probably add another five tackles for loss onto that it was uh they were in the backfield all night disrupting what the Warriors did and I think coach Brian Dole told us after the game that uh he blitzed more than he ever have he just saw some things on tape that he thought his team could take advantage of, and he, he brought the house a lot, um, rushing six or so, and uh, it, it worked. Um, it really threw Deerfield for a loop. They couldn't get much going, um, and they got a, they got a TD late, but that was it. Um, and uh, Deer, on, on the offensive end, um, Nutria kind of, their stars did did what they do, you know, big plays from Miles Kremascoli, uh, a couple big, uh, you know, touchdown runs from Jackson McCary, and their junior quarterback had a great game. I think he had close to 100 yards rushing, um, and he just controlled the pace of that game. How, um, I guess, how frustrating is it to see a game like this? We're obviously <laughs> this game, and obviously it ends the season on a right note, but like at the same time as a coach or maybe as a fan, are you asking where has this been all season? I, I was certainly doing that, especially uh, them being in the backfield like that. I thought their defensive unit – all year was solid uh in spurts it was bad but in spurts it was very very good um you know holding barrington to 20 points holding um some other teams but then giving up 50 to main south so it was hit or miss just this sustained effort i was just like where has this been and then coach Dull kind of gave a context that he was blitzing all night but could they have done that earlier in in the season and figured some things out it was just uh Really impressive, and it was a lot of it was seniors um, leading the way. Charlie Gardella and uh, Franklin Zaloto on that defensive line did some things that were really impressive. Um, uh, Dylan Jeppy, uh, their middle linebacker, um, and you know those those were the guys who were making all those tackles. So, yeah, I would I would say it's a little frustrating, and um, I wonder if the coaches are think thinking the same thing, or if they're just really happy that hey, what happened in the past. It's there. They know they blew that game against Prospect. They know they blew that game against Evanston. Really, both unluck and um, 
non-execution in the most critical of moments. Like those games were kind of in hand and uh, they blew them. So that happened in the past. Maybe, you know, you just celebrate what was a very convincing and commanding victory. All right, let's move on over now to uh, tennis here. Jeff talked about last week whether Nucci would be able to uh, pull off uh, um, a state championship, and you and I were both downers. And uh, obviously, Nutrier decided to prove us both wrong, uh, claiming the program's first state title in 19 years um, and a lot of big accomplishments for what they were able to do, just um, you know, continuously adding on uh, in their really strong performance and um, just a dominating for what Nutrier accomplished here, Joe, this weekend. Yeah, I think uh, we showed a bit of our ignorance there in terms of the current scene, like right now in, in girls tennis. Um, you know, it was really Nutriers to lose once you started to see it play out. Like, okay, their doubles teams are both just dominating here, racking up points after points. There is no other team getting those points in bunches. So uh, really took a commanding lead early after day two, uh, which was Friday. They they had the 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 championship. It was it was over. Um, so uh, day three was really a celebration of their top entries. Can they win state titles? They had two entries in the in the one in the singles, one in the doubles championship. So um, heck of a year for them. Heck of a finish for senior Madison Liu, um, making it all the way to the finals, winning the sportsmanship award um, as well. Her best finish. Um, what a career she's had, and. Um, I guess when I was kind of writing the story and, and looking it up, I was surprised. Obviously, Nutria is always there. Their tennis program is one of the best, uh, always in the mix. They've been in the top 10 forever, uh, been in the top three most of that time. But that title has eluded them. So winning it was really a big deal for them. Um, they got it done, and uh, they can uh, – I think the, I think I have the 10th in program history. Um, but first in 19 years, their first double title since the early 90s, their best singles finish since the early 90s. Uh, it was quite a year. Yeah, and you had uh, Carrie Rothenberg and Ariane uh, Lester House, who became the first New Cheers doubles uh, state champion since 1990. Um, a singles, obviously, a lot of big success um, by uh, taking a second place finish from Madison Lou. So just a lot of great stuff and a lot of great uh, accomplishments from, you know, a lot of individuals on this team. Yep. And uh, their other doubles team, Coco Zabel and um, a freshman Ludwig. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on your first name. Um, took sixth of it. So they medaled. Um, and those are all underclassmen. Um, Zabel and Rothenberg are juniors. So they'll be back leading the crew. And um, the rest of them at State Lester House and Ludwig and their second singles entry uh, are all underclassmen will return next year. So um, we'll see somebody new at number at number one singles. I wonder who it's going to be after four years of Madison Lou, but uh, future's bright. Yeah, it's very bright. So congratulations to the Trevians adding yet another state championship for um, New Trier. So congratulations to them um, on the big accomplishment. All right, we've got a lot of other playoffs that are taking place right now in Class 3A. Nutrier Boys Soccer defeated Evanston on uh, Tuesday. We're recording this on Wednesday um, in overtime in order to qualify um, for the sectional championship that they'll play in uh, this upcoming week. Um, and then you had North Shore Country Day, Joe, winning a sectional title on Tuesday. Um, just a lot of winning happening here in the area in the boys' soccer scene. 
Yeah, good boy soccer scene, North Shore Country Day. Uh, looked great yesterday. I was out there uh, against um, Christo Ray St. Martin out of Waukegan, um, but they were playing in Chicago, and they picked up a 2 nothing victory. Um, so they're going to go for a super sectional championship on Saturday. Um, it's their uh, second uh, – well, first sectional title in five years, um, but uh, they've they've had this nice sustained run of success here, um, and uh, they're, they're going to continue it. And Nutrier, man, uh, they've had a couple um, uh, barn burners. Uh, they go into, I think, double overtime with Evanston. Um, they tie it in the second half, and, and then they uh, score two in the second overtime uh, to take that 3-1 victory. And I think in the regional final, they went into uh, penalty kicks against half to maybe um either way they're still they're still alive they're still kicking and they'll uh they'll play Leiden uh for the sectional title on Friday night congratulations to them obviously good stuff happening so far but uh um excited to see how, what they're able to do especially as we head into sectional and uh super sectional time all right Joe we obviously still had a lot of stuff going on we had regionals going on for both the boys um and the girls too some uh, impressive performances um, over the weekend as we head into sectional uh, races now. Yeah, for cross country, yeah, the I think Ben Crane for Nutrier, as we kind of talked about, he won the race. Um, he's looking like a uh, state um, state um, competitor, uh, challenger, if not, uh, you know, a sectional kind of uh, champion contender as well. So um, he led uh, Nutrier boys to first. I think the girls got second. They're moving on as well. Um, I think Highland Park boys got second and the girls got fifth maybe. Um, but, but a lot of teams are moving on to that sectional round on Saturday. All right. Should be a lot of fun. All right. That wraps up the first quarter here. Let's move on over now to the second quarter where we are joined by Loyola football uh, quarterback, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. Obviously you can only really be a quarterback in uh, football, but uh, we got a chance to catch up with uh, Ryan after his big win over Mount Carmel on Saturday. Uh, you'll hear him talk about uh, what it was like, you know, being able to, um, you know, be Mount Carmel, what that first, you know, touchdown pass was like to Mikey Baker, how they used last year's experience or inexperience, I should say, um, to help them kind of connect on that play and um, what kind of happens next here as we move on to the playoffs. So uh, here's uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. Well, I started that first touchdown to, to Baker. Uh, kind of what you did you see the defender fall down, or were you going there anyway? Yeah, uh, I mean it's just we looked at film from last year, and we knew that uh, when we got to look left to look right. And uh, Jake overthrew him last year, but so thankfully uh, Baker is really physical. He's not just a kicker, uh, and he ran through him, and he's wide open. And thankful God he didn't get uh, hawked like Drew did. But I mean, like he ran, he ran like the wind, and uh, he scored. So. <coughs> Play you're not afraid to make, especially you know you get that you know ten yard first down toward the end. Is that just pretty much put you put your body out there to do whatever for the team? Yeah, I mean my coaches, the coaches told me like it's it's we're gonna have to run you a lot this week. And uh, I mean going into the game, everyone told me like you got to prepare your body um, for for how hard they hit. Uh, and so when the coaches told me, hey, we're gonna need you to run, 
uh, I, I was fully prepared to, to, to take those shots. That last touchdown run you had, I don't think anybody even touched you. It seemed like they... <laughs> no, I mean, our O-line has done a great yeah. job all year. And, like, today, that one touchdown to Baker, they gave me so many, so much time. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think I saw anyone on the way to the yeah. touchdowns, the second one. And then uh, they had uh, – Seamus had a great kick out on the first touchdown. And I just had – it's one-on-one. And our coaches always say, one-on-one, I like our guys. So. Probably goes up for the defense, you know, to hold down, especially on that two-point conversion, just to be able to, you know, limit them what they're able to do. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just it, that wins games for them to stop them on that two-point and stop them down, down at the start of the game. Uh, th- those plays win games, and for us, for the, our offense, it's a huge confidence booster. And then just for us to go out and score, it, it raises up. And and we knew that we were going to face adversity, and they got a lot of momentum. Uh, if they hit that two-point conversion, you never know what, what the outcome might be, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the defense stepping up really boosts everyone's confidence and just the energy level on our sideline. What was it like competing in a game like this? Obviously, there's a lot of hype to it. You got TV cameras here being interviewed after, you know, TV stations and all that kind of stuff. Just what is it like playing a game like this and how do you just kind of manage the moment? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to notice it. It's hard to not notice it. Um, I mean, compared to last game when we played Bennett and no one was in our stands, like it's, it's a lot different, but it's just, it's the same game. If we have one person or a thousand people in the stands and it's the same 11 guys, if we play Bennett or if we play Mount Carmel. And so it's just going out and doing your job every single play. Ryan said now, obviously you head into the playoffs, still don't know if you're going to play, but you know, you finished the season nine and they'll get the blue championship. What's the mindset now? Uh, I mean, our two goals going into the season were wins repeat state and beat Carmel. So we checked one of those off, and so now we're just on to our next goal. Uh, I think the selection or the seeding comes out later today, so we'll see who we got, and we'll prepare our asses off for them. Thanks so much for joining us, Ryan, and thank you as always to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's insight. All right, let's move on over now to the third quarter where we play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game. I throw out five propositions, and Joe and I argue or agree upon whether they can happen way or no way they cannot happen. All right, Joe, we hit on soccer um, in the first quarter. Um, way or no way you think that this North Shore Country Day team can make it to state? Well, I think way. I, I think it sets up for them nicely. Um, they play um, – why am I blanking on it? I just wrote the dang story. They play a team they beat earlier in the season 2-1, to one, so it should be good in the super sectional. Um, but I think uh, the way they're playing right now, the Raiders. Um, Chicago University. Thank you. Uh, Chicago University High. So um, the way they're playing right now, um, it really feels like they're peaking. They got it going at the right time, and um, they're going to be tough to beat for anybody. I think they'll make it to state. Yeah, I think I'll go with the way there as well. I think they see, it seems like they've kind of put something together. They were just you know able to win against Crystal Race, uh, St. Martin. Uh, two to nothing it seems like they've kind of put together a really strong performance so um, I do think that they will uh, win on Saturday and make that super sectional and get it and move on over to uh, Hoffman Estate and play for a state championship which uh, all takes place on one and this year now for boys soccer and I think girls soccer also follows too all right Joe let's move over now to the second question way or no way the Nutria boys soccer team is the favorite to make it to state now um, in, in that sectional, uh, or hmm, that's a great question because, uh, we play in such a prolific area and Leiden is playing that well. So even though Leiden's coming out, um, as a five seed, uh, in the sectional, um, they're obviously playing really great soccer. So 
man, I don't know, Mike. Um, I'll, I'll still say way they're the favorite. Uh, I just don't know if it's that big of one. This bracket organization is also really interesting to me, where you have the Evanston sectional not playing the Palatine sectional. Yeah. But you have the uh, Evanston sectional against West Chicago, which is kind of – so we won't – there's not a potential GBN matchup here in the sectional uh, or in the super sectional. They would see each other in state. Yeah, that is interesting for sure. Uh, Lighten, I'm sorry. I think I said five seed. They're the nine seed. So really yeah. picking it up right now. Uh, I'm going to go with the way. I think that's right. I think obviously Lighten's been able to put together a really strong performance so far in the playoffs, obviously as a nine seed. But um, I think that – you know, Nishir just has the experience so far, and regardless of who they would potentially play in the St. Charles North Super Sectional, um, I just think that Nutcher has the experience to make it a state, so I'm going to go with Way. Um, I think they uh, are the favorites here to make it a state out of that Super Sectional group. All right, no way or no way, pretty simple, like I asked last week uh, with the girls' tennis team. Way or no way, the new cheer girls' swimming and diving team can win a conference title? Well, yeah, I'd say so. Um, they're very good. Um, yeah, they're the best team in their conference. I don't know what else to say. Uh, so, um, yes, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing if they can uh, three-peat. Yeah, this one's a pretty easy one. I feel like these ones are always so easy, and maybe that's a little bit ignorant of us to just assume, oh, they're all going to win the conference and they're going to do whatever. But the programs like the swimming team and the tennis team and the um, other teams have just kind of shown, you know, consistency of always like competing for state for not only state championships, but at least conference championships as well. So um, I, I just think that maybe, you know, that's a, um, a lot of expectations for a group like that, but I think that's fine because I think that they're, you know, experienced, they have a lot of talent and uh, they should be competing for conference championships. So um, I'm going to go with the way there that they are going to win conference. All right, Joe, we conference sectional, uh, boys and girls cross country taking place this weekend way or no way we will have either a boy or girls individual sectional champion oh i uh i think on the boy side is our best shot and and we got ben crane out of nutrier who's who's been at the top of these races lately so um I'm I'm trying to think of who else is in he's going to be running against in the sectional because I don't I don't know if he's the state favorite and obviously this is such a a good quality area for distance running um, we'll see but I I'll say I'll say wait let's give it to uh, let's say Ben comes out as another with another title I think I'm going to go no way just mostly because of the field I just feel like it's uh. I, I just feel like there's a lot of good talent in the area and I feel like it's kind of hard to compete with so many. I think, you know, if we're talking about team title, I think that both, honestly, all the area teams probably have enough depth to compete for a team title, but I don't think, um, you know, for individual championships that um, I just think there are a lot of different factors that go into it. So um, I, I just think that it's more of a, an odds thing than anything else. So I'm going to go with no way. I just don't think that, uh, um, that it could potentially happen here. And uh, um, I, I just think that maybe someone else will win the individual title here. All right, Joe, we've got girls volleyball playoffs taking place here. Final way or no way question. Uh, way or no way that either Nutrier or Loyola doesn't win a regional championship on Thursday? 
No, I think they both take home regional titles. Um, I think they keep it going. I think things get uh, obviously tougher the next round in sectional, the sectional openers. But I do think they both take care of business on Thursday. Yeah, I think that's pretty pretty clear at this point. Loyola taking on Glenbrook North in the Glenbrook North Regional Championship on Thursday, and Nutria taking Niles North on in the Nutria Regional Championship on Thursday. Um, I, I think they'll both probably win. This feels kind of like a chalky bracket so far, mostly because it is a, I, I guess, uh, um, it is a pretty chalky bracket, even though, yeah, all of the top eight seeds have won in the sectional so far. So, um, everything's gone according to plan. So I, I it just seems like something that will go that way. Maybe you got for something, you got Niles West playing, uh, main South four and six, because we love how that way IHSA does stuff when it comes to this, but um, I, uh, I, I think that they'll both win regionals pretty easily. So, um, that's a no way. I don't think they're losing before then. All right. That is everything that we've got for way or no way here. Let's move on over to the fourth quarter where we preview week one of the football playoffs here. Um, six, a and taking place. And, uh, let's start things off here, Joe, with Highland Park. And you and I were kind of talking about this where, um, I don't know if you want to get into our rant about the way the IHSA does its seating now or not, or um, maybe we can save that for later. Depends on how much time you got. But um, Highland Park plays Mather now in a six to eleven matchup. Mather is seven two on the season. Uh, CPS moved into a new style of doing its uh, schedule where uh, CPS teams only play against other Chicago CPS teams. So um, it's kind of hard to get a uh, a good understanding of how good or, you know, how, what that record truly is. So um, it's kind of an unknown matchup here, Joe, between Highland Park taking on a seven and two Mather team. Yeah, this is a, uh, it's, you, you get these sometimes with, with the suburban schools and the city schools, if they're in the same class, they, they just never, not only do they not play each other, they're like opponents in, in the regular season. They're like opponents aren't that, familiar either so it's it's difficult to judge uh who who they are and if it's a down year for the cps then a 72 record doesn't really mean much um or a nine say it's in seven and two eight and one record and and it's the top heavy year in the cps maybe it means a lot and you just can't figure it out and um so you don't know. This could be a year where Highland Park's actually a better team than Mather, and they should take it home. Uh, we see it every year that a pretty uh, a CPS school with a nice record gets bombarded by, say, uh, say they got to play like a Brother Rice or a uh, Providence Catholic or something in the front first round. Um, it could be tough. So um, can Highland Park play that role this year? Uh, we'll see. I really, like we were talking about before the pod, I really don't know. What do you think about Highland Park's, you know, ability to play with the unknown, I guess, just based on what you've seen Highland Park this season, the way they've competed against the teams that they've played this year. How do you kind of feel like this Highland Park team can compete against the team that maybe there's not a lot of tape on or not a lot of, you know, understanding on? I mean, just what do you, how do you kind of think that they can prepare for a matchup like this? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I, I would think that they're, they're in a good spot for that because of their experience and their seniors and their poise that they bring to the table, their ability to make, you know, having a, a three-year starting quarterback behind their ability to make decisions is 
can only be a good thing. Um, they, they put up points against uh, most of their opponents. Uh, and so their ability to score, I think, is probably opponent proof in a way. Um, and then, yeah, so that we'll just have to see if they can, their defense can generate stops um, on a consistent basis, which it has done at times, you know, against your main, well, we talked about this before, against uh, your main West and your Deerfield, uh, they were able to hold, uh, limit their opponent. Uh, but in other times against um, like Conant, they were not. So um, let's see what we're able to do here. But I do think that uh, at least because of their senior leadership and experience uh, that they're set up to play against whoever and at least put a good product out there. How confident are you that the Highland Park team that we've seen asked, you know, the last four games here on this four-game winning Niles North, Niles West, Maine, East, and Vernon Hills. How confident are you that, that we can continue continue to see that team here in the playoffs? I'm pretty confident. You know, uh, again, the, the seniors are, are are on their last run here. Um, after a long time on varsity and, and a lot of losses, um, I mean, I shouldn't say a lot of losses, a lot of losses that they, they wish they didn't have, but they felt they could have won. Um, and now we're here. This is their shot at the postseason. They're back. Um, I expect them to put put at the very minimum a great effort out on the field and really lay it all out there. If they're out um, executed and out you know performed by Mather, then so be it. But I think they'll they'll bring that effort, which I think has been key in this run anyway. All right, Joe, I'll get a prediction out of you here toward the end of the podcast. But why don't we move on over now to Plainfield North, traveling up to Loyola on Saturday, one o'clock game. Uh, Loyola getting the home game to start things off here. Um, Joe, Plainfield North, the number 32C, because uh, 8A and 7A is 1 to 32, not division, divided into two brackets. Um, Plainfield North squeezes in with the 4 and 5 record, earning enough playoff points. Their losses were 14 to 8 to Lockport, a 5 and 4 team, uh, 6 and 3 to Naperville Central, a 7 and 2 team, and losses to Manuka, Yorkville, and Joliet West as well. Um, the only blowout there was really 27 to three to Manuka. Yorkville was lost by three and uh, Joliet West was a loss by seven. So, um, yeah, you know, Plainfield North has competed well so far this year, but I think there's a, you know, reason they're the number 32 seed and um, it's kind of a, an opportunity for Loyola to pick up a, a win here. It feels like. Yep. Um, you know, congratulations for sneaking in the playoffs. You get to travel to Wilmette on a Saturday. Um, not an easy drive, but hey, you know, for those kids, that's that's a big deal. Um, playing one more game, um, why not give it everything you got against the best team um, in the state? I mean, the reigning champs, and see if you could do something, even if it's a little something here and there. I'm sure they're trying to motivate themselves, but um, I don't give them much of a shot at victory. Um, it's just uh, uh, loyal is uh, a better team and uh, should win this one handily. I didn't get a chance to ask them this question, and I feel like mostly because I feel like I know what the answer would be. But how do you? Obviously, it's the playoffs; it's the first round of the playoffs. But how do you kind of feel like they go through the emotions of playing what felt like a state championship game, playing against you know Mount Carmel in front of a packed stadium, TVs there, everyone's talking about this game, and then now you move on to a one to thirty-two matchup here in the eight-eight playoffs, where it's obviously the playoffs is the first round. 
But I, I think everyone in the state is probably choosing you to win this game. So how do you feel like they kind of manage the emotions of not letting – obviously they're not a bad opponent by any means, but just not letting the drop-off between what happened last Saturday to what's happening now this Saturday? Yeah, that's a good question. I I, I don't know how you do it. Um, it's got to be a, an emotional ride. But, um, you know, it also might be a bit of a uh, respite, you know, a little bit to – every down is a slog against Mount Carmel and, you know, the highs are highs, but you know, there's some lows there too, where it's really tough to get from play to play and get up and off the field. And um, so to go into a game where it should be easier sledding and you should be able to get what you want easier. um, That might be nice. Um, And, you know, your starters in this one, I'm, I'm trying not to – I mean no disrespect to Plainfield North at all, but your starters in this one should, should get a rest, um, and, and that might be a welcome thing too. All right, Joe, we'll get predictions out of you here uh, toward the end here. Just one last thing. Are there any matchups here across the state that you're kind of excited to see what happens? I feel like the first round um, and all eight, eight brackets were kind of there's – some, there's some interesting matchups here, um, especially in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I thought it was nice, and they gave you some games to look out for, which also uh, you wonder um, you wonder about that. Like, do do we really need to play um, Brother Rice against? Um, see now, now I'm blanking. Who's Brother Rice playing in the first round? Batavia. Thank you. Do we really need to do that in the first round? That's that's like a. That's a very good matchup and usually something we could wait to see to a quarterfinal, probably, you know, a couple rounds into it. Or um, St. Rita and Mount Carmel. St. Rita and Mount Carmel, same thing. Um, so, but those teams are going to be out of it quick or um, maybe is that a good thing too? If, you know, you get those teams out, you get to see a different team in there, but I don't know. Um, those are clearly the best two. I wonder uh, if, you know, Brother Rice, especially coming off um, a couple big wins to, make the playoffs is just feeling a flow right now in Batavia. Obviously their only loss was what by a field goal, not even to yeah. um, Lake Waze. Um So they're awesome. Um, but are they, you know, in for quite a first round game here? I think, I think they might be. Um, I, I don't see Mount Carmel having a huge issue with St. Rita in this one. Of course, it's going to be tough just because they're like opponents and, um, Catholic League and some family is good, but Brother Rice is going to have some some big motivators coming off a loss as well. So um, I think Batavia Brother Rice is probably the big one for me. And then Lincoln Way Central and Jacobs is the uh, the rivalry in the household for me yeah. and my wife. Uh, my <laughs> alma mater and my wife's alma mater going at it. Uh, Lincoln Way Central's, uh, well, I went to Lincoln Way when it was one school, but. Um, I was. Yeah, which one are you claiming? I thought you're always claiming East. Now you're I placing. Claim, claiming I claim them open. all. I claim them all. Uh, a good friend of mine's coach of West. Uh, when I went to high school, it was called the Knights, which is now Central. So I guess Central technically I, I, is my home school, I would say. Um, and uh, yeah, so they play Jacob. So that's a fun one. And Link Away Central's, uh, it's been a while since they've been this good. So it's fun. I'm curious to see, you know. Prairie Ridge gets a number two seed. You're you're going to play Nazareth here in the first round, which is just yeah, interesting. Yeah. Then 
which, which begs the question about obviously the whole seating and all that kind of stuff. A NAS, a four and five NAS team, I feel like uh, um, might give Prairie Ridge some trouble, but I'm curious to see um, how Nazareth handles that um, triple option for Prairie Ridge. But I'm also curious to finally see how good the CCL ESCC is, where I feel like every week it's kind of, you know, the good, the teams are good, but I feel like you never truly know because they're playing against each other. So you constantly are like, well, like I had this question about St. Francis last week is like, are they that good? Or is Naz not as good? Like, I feel like we'll get the answers now where now that these CCL ESCC teams are, you know, being let out and, you know, playing against other teams in the area, I'm very curious to see how the conference, you know, performs this year where um, they've been beating each other up. There are some teams who finished with four and five records that I think had they had a different schedule would might have probably made the playoffs. But, you know, that's what happens when you play in the CCL ESCC. But I'm very curious to see how the mega conference does here in the playoffs now that they're playing non-conference games. I actually think, you know, a Barrington-Glenbrook-South matchup, a four and five Glenbrook-South. Oh, yeah. Is- is interesting it's i i if did they play in the regular season and uh but but glenberg south ripped off uh five in a row and they're playing i'm sorry four in a row and are playing pretty decent football so uh i don't know yeah it's all really interesting this is kind of the reason why i feel like you and i have our reasoning for the whole seating procedure and that kind of stuff by the way barrington beat glenberg south 27 and 19 so it was a close game yeah close game. um but yeah, it's just interesting how all these four and five matchups, I feel like a lot of, there are a lot of coaches in the state who are pretty mad right now being like, this is not really a first round matchup. This is more like a quarterfinal matchup and uh, we got to figure out a way to fix this. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just, you know, you leave, you know, the state is perfectly, IHSA, not the state, the IHSA is perfectly fine with leaving up to a, a, a rigid formula. And I just think it needs to, to say it succinctly without bitching too much, I think it just needs a uh, a little bit of opinion, a little bit of common sense injected into it. We'll leave it at that. We'll save it for the summer podcast one. Now we're looking for to go on a couple rants here, but that is everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you as always for joining us this week. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you give us a nice review. We always appreciate everybody's support. Make sure you check out all our content here at Friday Night Drive. We've got all your playoff coverage uh, ready to go. We got predictions. We got power rankings. Um, we've got a lot of great stuff happening. We'll have our Friday Night Football show again, um, and some fun football shows are coming up here in the postseason as we march to Illinois State. Uh, so make sure you're keeping up with all our work there. And as always, make sure you subscribe and donate to the recordnorthshore.org. Joe's got all your coverage for not only sports but everything that's happening in the North Shore area. So make sure you support his great work there. So we've got the first weekend of football playoffs here. It should be a lot of fun. I think we got a cold spell coming here, so make sure you warm up here for all those football games and soccer games and um, cross-country meets. So uh, make sure you are warm there. And if you're in a volleyball gym, then enjoy the volleyball. But uh, for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.